Hamochoa. My question to you today is this is something that's been on my mind and I want to I want to pitch it to you because I'm always curious as your thoughts on things but in your career have you ever had like could you think about it right now of uh, your favorite group of kids you've ever had like was there a year that was particularly good that you just look back and you're like you know all of them were great but this one was unique and special in a certain way that others just never really got to did you have you ever had that experience well, I think I probably had about three of those. I mean, I've had so many groups, so I don't know. But one comes to mind. It was a seventh grade group, and they just, they were publishing, and they were writing. They they would put poems in, and I mean, I still have their stuff, and I still share it at times. That was a really good group. I had another group that was um, sixth grade GT class, and they were pretty amazing. Um they're the ones that I did a science. We did a we did a project because you know back then we didn't really have classroom libraries like we do today. I mean they weren't really promoted. So if you're going to have your kids read, it was through whatever book you did together, or it was going to the library. I always took them to the library. That's really what I had. And I had a few books in my classroom, but it wasn't a huge classroom library. But I wanted to do literature circles. I was playing around with this idea. And I think you've, I've shared this with you. I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast or not, but this particular group astounded me. It was a GT sixth grade group. And we were doing science fiction. That was what the unit was during that time frame. We were, it was more of a genre-based curriculum at the time. So we were now doing science fiction. And we used a short story all summer and a day to kind of talk about what's in science fiction, but I took them to the library and I said, whatever you do, you have to get, you can get a book of your choice. I've always done this, a book of your choice, but then you have to get a genre you haven't done. Now, when I was actually doing genre specific studies, they had to get that genre that we were studying. And so the genre was science fiction. So I'd already taught them the elements of science fiction. They had to go and find the and. The library that we had at that time was not set up. It was just fiction. It wasn't divided. And in a way, sometimes I kind of like that. Uh, And sometimes it makes it easier. So I think there's two arguments. But I taught them how to read the verse and how to figure out what kind of uh, book it is. And so they had to have it approved by me. But anyway, um, I had some pretty high readers and our middle school wasn't meeting all of their needs in this area. So so we uh, went to the high school with the parents' permission, and some of them had uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and, I mean, they had some of these higher-level books. And um, so anyway, what we ended up doing is a, is a project with it. So the way the kids were joined together is when they had um, – they all had a book, right? But I wanted to put them in literature circles. So what I did is I said, okay, how many of you are reading um, a time warp, a a kind of a time machine type book? And they all raise their hand. That became a group. Uh, Who's reading a genetics type thing? That became a group. Uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde would fall kind of into that. Anyway, and then, uh, and so they were based on those types of 
things, those categories. Space would be another category. Under the sea would be another one. And so they were all, sure enough, I had enough for everybody. And so then they put together this project. And what they did is they did an analysis at a higher level using some of my GT strategies, uh, depth and complexity icons and uh, thinking hats, and then uh, and levels uh, of um, of lessons. And so then they had to create these booths that represented their book that told about their book but had but that was interactive and the teach the students went by and they had to learn all about the science that was in the book so the research that they did was the science in the book uh, and both of their books and so they had to show that it was actually based on real science you know concepts but not necessarily it was plausible but not necessarily possible but I think that that particular assignment has always blown blown my mind, if you will, by how high the kids, just leaving it open enough, but guided enough that they just went nuts on it. And we had, we had a, a book fair, if you will, book science fair combined. And it was just really kind of cool to watch the kids just dig deep into these uh, books and science fiction. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Craft and Draft podcast. That is Pamela Cho. I'm Jacob Chastain. We are two seventh grade English teachers here in Texas. We are currently working at the same school. We were not at we the are. early times of the podcast, but we are together now, literally down the hall. We see each other every passing period almost because of <laughs> the way schedules work. But it's been amazing working side by side. Once again, we worked b- with each other before this as coaches, and then we jumped back into the classroom because we missed it so much and because of a variety of other reasons. But this is the Craft and Draft podcast where we talk about reading and writing workshop every single week we drop an episode every friday so it's friday so make sure you subscribe and uh stay with us but today we're going to talk about a variety of things we have a couple uh listener comments and questions to address at the beginning of this episode and then okay. from there we're going to talk about the early uh the early days of workshop and how we spot resistors in the workshop and then how do we address the resistors in the workshop so all of that and more on this episode ladies and gentlemen already miss ochoa i didn't tell you this because i forgot to tell you before we went live but we do have some comments okay uh and you know people the you know listeners are starting to uh respond regularly to our stuff they're starting to submit comments questions concerns uh regularly and uh we love reading out names and and giving some shout out to you guys this is such a you know it's a personal podcast for you and i because it's literally just us kind of decompressing and planning literally as we do live on the show. Right. So, and it's very, there's very little editing. So what people hear is just literally how the conversation goes, unless my son decides to run in here and distract us, those parts get my, edited out. Or, or my cats begin to fight. Exactly. So it's a little, you know, it's a little raw, but you know, we, we build these relationships with each other and the listener. So we got a, a couple here. Let's start with, um, some positive ones. We had someone that made a comment on the website, actually, which is pretty interesting. Um, but this is from Rachel. Rachel says, I love this podcast. Such great ideas. I am a fourth grade teacher and I'm constantly using ideas and modifying them to meet my grade level that I hear on your podcast. I love this video that modeled how to set up craft and draft notebooks. So she was talking about the video, um, that was up on YouTube at the time that people are hearing this. It is no 
longer on YouTube. So if you want access to that, um, you will have to contact us uh, to get access to that. We're going to do some more stuff. The reason we're taking that video down is because it's, we, we want to do something a little bit higher quality that's a little bit more bite-sized, but also because we're still working on the book and everything. We don't want stuff out there for too long. We wanted to keep it out there for you all. So if you want that, um, we can work out something and get you access to it since it is down. But thank you, Rachel. Isn't that nice, Miss Ochoa? The, you know, that we, is we, nice. Thank you, Rachel. We, we have a lot of uh, elementary teachers that are listening to this podcast that are that are kind of taking our middle school approach and you know altering it that that I didn't consi- consider that we would have um so many elementary school teachers but uh I don't know did, did that ever cross your mind when we started this that like cuz in my head everyone's a middle school teacher right that listens to this but apparently <laughs> that's not the case <laughs> no well i mean when i do my when i do my uh new jersey or abydos uh, writing, we we gear it for K through twelve or K through even past into college. So I'm not surprised. Actually, we I've had a lot of elementary stu- teachers that have taken yeah. my workshops and done stuff with them. Um, so we sure appreciate them watching. Yeah, and, of I mean listening. Well, and I think mm-hmm. honestly, it knowing that right, knowing that we have so many elementary teachers. Uh, listening to the show and, you know, it's going to influence, you know, how we approach uh, the book overall, you know, we're, we're in the process of getting it done and put it together and all of that stuff. But, you know, it is still definitely a work in progress. And, you know, knowing that, you know, it might alter uh, some of that stuff, because we're getting more in tune with the people who are listening and interested in this type of content. So that's always good. So people, I mean, keep making comments, keep telling us your grade levels and whatnot. It really does help shape uh, how we approach things. We have another person here. We have Raven. Um, it says Raven teacher. So I don't know if that's actually her name or not, but Raven over here on YouTube on our video, she said, uh, wonderful to watch. Just found the podcast, so soaking up as much as I can. I love this info on the notebook system. She goes, to clarify, one notebook is for craft and a second notebook is for draft, question mark. Thanks so much and glad I was able to catch this video before it closed. And I answered her comment on YouTube. Right. um, But I thought we would do just a quick uh, segue here, and I wanted to pitch it to you. Why is it, you know, this two-journal system, right? Uh, I've had I've had teachers when we've talked about craft and draft. They're like two journals. Why two journals? Is two journals necessary? You know, uh, when it comes to the two separate journals, Miss Ochoa, why is it? Why why do you feel like this is something that you and I value so much? What is it that two journals offers that one journal can't? Well, first of all, when you're looking at the draft, to me, the draft is your sort of your old writer's notebook uh, that I told you my friend, Angie Hispanet, I still have to contact her because she'd be great for our elementary uh, people. But she's the one who taught me how to do that writerly, looking through writerly eyes and doing that notebook. And and that is where, that is, per, it's not personable like a journal or a diary, you know what I mean? But it becomes a, a living document, if you will, a living um place for students to put all their thoughts and their thinking and all of that down. And that is purely at the beginning of it, the the draft itself is purely uh, student owned. 
I think. And then we come in and we use that left side to kind of help them and nudge them along. It's a place for them, but they're still doing the work themselves. So to me, that's that's really riderly owned, if you will, uh, student owned. But the craft book is where the teacher enters into this process to me. And it's the craft book where we actually do the teaching. This is where uh, we show them what writers do. We we provide um, text for them to study and to engage in and to appreciate. But this is where we teach our our, our skills. Uh, the reading skills, the writing skills, all of your lessons are in here. And then this, we tie all of this though to the standards that we're having to teach. And then we also tie both of them to goals that the students want to reach. And so to me, I think you need two notebooks because you're really, you're combining two separate systems or ideas. One is teacher nudging and the other one is student soaring, the way I see it. The one thing I uh, would add to that too is, uh-huh. you know, the for me, I feel like the the why the two journals works is I I almost am pretty much everything I do in class is a mini lesson, so because of that, I need quite a bit of space um, for that. But also, there's so much writing going on that uh, if there were, if it was one journal, even a big journal, it would. It, they would fill up literally so fast. So the two journal mm-hmm. system for the amount of writing. Th- I mean, in the, we're going to get to this in a minute when we actually get to the subject of the podcast today. But I have students who ha- literally already have several pages written. Um, yeah. And we've only been in school for eight days. So yeah, uh, yeah. I have students that are already on page seventeen and eighteen or right. nineteen. Mm-hmm. And so we have, you know, that, that that's the ultimate reason, right? It's just the the amount of space. And, you know, the, the craft book serves as a really good thing, you know, uh, for keeping the mini lessons, keeping the model text in there, keeping their notes right. and everything. But the draft book becomes more personal. It, it's theirs. They own it a lot more. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it's good. I feel like it's good to separate kind of school from their own personal take on their learning, right? So keeping, letting them own their practice but all having a separate journal for the more schooly aspects of what we're doing in a uh, workshop. So that mm-hmm. would be my thing, but I appreciate uh, Raven asking the question. I just figured that'd be nice to put down there. Now, our last one for today is from Asia Temple. She messaged us and said, um, what are the best ways to adjust into a new grade level with a new district on an all new curriculum? She says, I'm Ooh. definitely one to love learning new things, especially curriculum, but the school year has started and I still feel that I'm trying to know the ins and outs of the curriculum they're using. I went from first grade to kindergarten. So neither of us oh, have taught that okay. long before. Um, yeah. My wife has, she went from kindergarten to first grade. It's so a little bit. Uh, opposite of what Asia is experiencing. But th- this idea of not only changing grade level, but districts and curriculum, what are the best ways to adjust? How do you adjust when you've had changes happen? Because you've taught all kinds of different subjects and grade levels mm-hmm. and from different schools, and um, you have been in different districts. I have not. So um, pitch it to you first. I mean, what what would be your general advice to anyone facing uh, such, a, such an uphill in terms of learning everything they need to know? 
Well, I, I think one of the first things I would do is figure out what the non-negotiables are. Uh, the reason I would do that is, you know, for sure you have to do those things. And so if that's, if that's what you start with and then you say, okay, what can I actually manipulate? You know, cause sometimes you could still do writer and readers workshop within the context of that curriculum, whatever that might be. Uh, kindergarten though, you're looking at students that need a lot of exposure, a lot of print, uh, everything needs to, I would, I would have all, you know, my room would be a word wall. I would I would have everything with the print on it, like even the, uh, you know, the wall. I'd have the word wall on it. I'd have, you know, whatever, the chalkboard. I'd have that on there. And so I would give them a really, I think to me, a print-rich environment, no matter what the curriculum is. And so the more print that they have with um, pictures and things like that that they can understand. And then a lot of opportunities to write. And of course, we know at that grade level, they're, they're learning their ABCs. They need to be able to not just do them at their, their letters in a particular order. We all know that they have to, um, you know, practice with them in different orders so that we make sure they understand their letters. Um, I, I would do a lot of word families. I would be, uh, when we put new words up there, I would be, uh, high, uh, outlining the word so that you can actually see the shape of the word because that also helps students read. I would do a lot of reading. I'd bring my students up to me and we would just read and read and read and hopefully her curriculum will allow for that. But everywhere, even if it's like books that they have to, you know, like I grew up on um, uh, Spot and Dick and Jane and See Spot Run. But I think even if that's the bare basic and that you have to teach those. And I think within them, you could talk to the students about what can we add to this to even make it more colorful. And so I think you could just have the students play a lot with language. I don't know if that's helpful to her, but that's kind of what I would do if it was me. But I always make sure I know the non-negotiables and then I know what the what what they allow for. But print-rich environment, read and write to them, let them listen uh, when they write, um, appreciate everything that they do, even if it's a scribble, because we all know that in the arenas of, of writing, the early arenas, uh, they're really scribbling at first, but they, they're still writing a story. And so I would just listen to each student. I would pull them up and, and I would uh, dictate for them and uh, what they're saying. And then I would keep that in their portfolios as they grow. I, I mean, I think that's all good advice. Um, I think I was thinking of, okay, so if this was me, what would I do? You know, I, I think enough can't be said for, you know, I, I like the advice of finding out your non-negotiables. Um, if this person, you know, if she's comfortable with, uh, if Asia is comfortable with, um, just thinking about, you know, what's good teaching, good teaching is good teaching no matter where you're Mm -hmm. at. Right. And focusing on that and then learning the rest as you go. Um, that, that's how I would do it. I would be like, okay, so I know what I do. I know what works. I know how I use classroom management, everything else. Um, I would just be comfortable not knowing and being comfortable asking for forgiveness for missing anything that, um, that's true was missed. Um, that that's kind of my outlook all the time is just roll with what I think should be done and then fit it in as I go. Um, I understand that most teachers are very, uh, strict rule followers and cannot always follow such, 
um, path. But if Asia is feel comfortable, you know, I would, I would say, you know, do like, don't, don't sit there and stress so much about the curriculum and everything else. All it's going to come with time. Like you're, you're going like, cause even if you do consume all of it and, and you're into learning, like you're going to miss something anyway. So get to a point where you're like, okay, I can take this chunk and then go for it and then just rely on your teaching skill and then learn as you go. You're going to miss stuff. You know, we still miss stuff and we were on the curriculum writing team in our district. So, um, it's, it's just the nature of how it goes. Also, you know, learn your kids, you know, like the, the quicker you learn your kids, you know, remember we, we teach kids, not curriculum, right? Like that's, True. that's a good point. That's kind of, uh, the, the old adage I remind myself, if I ever get too stressed out about what needs to happen, you know, I'm like, well, you know, th- this is what they need today. And, um, hopefully you're at a place that honors teacher decisions. And, you know, I'm not saying ignore curriculum, obviously, but just doing what's right by your kids and everything else will work out is kind of what I would say to that. But in any case, shout out to everyone uh, reaching out. Feel free to ask questions. Sometimes um, we take a question and we'll talk the whole episode about it. Sometimes we'll do what we did just now and spend a good 20 minutes uh, just discussing everyone's comments, thoughts, and concerns. Very good to have all of you reaching out. But Miss Ochoa, we've been in school for eight days. Workshop is building things are going on. Uh, we have, you know, I'm, I'm about five mini lessons in not well four content mini lessons, really show um, off. I know, I know, but it's, it's how, it's how I operate. <laughs> Everything's a mini lesson. I also set up my craft and draft books a, a day earlier. Um, show partly because I had the means, I had the journals and I was like, you know what? I don't even care if y'all have them here. You hit, you get to, you get to, you get to, Let's set these bad boys up because I was I was going insane not doing it. But um, we we a conversation keeps popping up with our team, right? You know, when teachers like after a class, we go, oh, you know, this class is doing this, and you know, we know our classes that have bigger personalities in them. So we've been talking about that. But one thing that was popping up with all of us was resistors, resistors in reading, resistors in writing. The kids that are that'll be like, mm, I'm not going to do that, right? And not not even the kids who. Uh, well, I, I would say there, there's certain levels of resistors, right? Um, and I feel like this was good to kind of share our thinking on this because this is something that, you know, workshop sounds great when you're listening about it. And it's like, yeah, kids choose what they want to read and write and they pursue their interest and they're, they're free writing and you're conferring all over the place and everyone's super excited and having a good time. And then when you implement it, you're like, oh, some kids have experiences that have led them to hate reading and writing. And some kids hate it because they're not particularly strong in language and everything else that kind of comes with it. So they, they have these behaviors that crop up and this is something that we've been dealing with. Um, it, it, when I'm curious at what, do you remember the day that you saw your resistor? Like when you were like, was it was it day one, day two, day three? Was it that Monday after our three day week? When when was the earliest time when you were when you pinpointed that first resistor you had? Uh, when I asked him to write the very first time, which was on the first day, <laughs> <laughs> and then on the Monday, the day like the very next week, the beginning Monday, I had about three more than I had the day before. It kind of shocked me a little bit. I thought I'd turn that corner and I found three more. 
Yeah, I mean that's how it happens. I mean they're they're pretty mm-hmm. quick. You know, some kids will sit there and they'll kind of fake their way through, and then I think when they realize that oh, we do this every day. <laughs> Right. I mean, especially in your class. I mean, you've I mean, how many you were showing me on your wall, but I mean, how many uh, writing, getting writing down topics down uh, strategies have you used in a week? I think we've done about five. Yeah, I mean that's a lot of writing for a student. That's Which, like that was I your hate com- writing. I know I didn't mean to talk over you, but that was your <laughs> complaint when you took me this summer. Is this is a bit too much of the pre-writing strategies? I remember that too many topic ideas, but it works. But it for works. Me. It, it works. Mm-hmm. But we've done a lot. They've been. <clears throat> we did trigger words, you know, and I did the dream thing, and then um, so I would say that's too. I do let them just free write. We've used the quick write. Uh, I've used a heart map from Nancy Atwell. And then I did, I read to them uh, Wilford Gordon McDonald Partridge. That's my favorite. I love doing that one. And then the kids wrote from that, There's it's about five different types of memories. So they wrote five columns and then they wrote down all their memories. So each one of these things, they pick one and they write about it. When they run out of ideas, they pick another one and they write about it. And they write until I say, stop. And what they don't understand is I have several that have written three pages to one kid that's written one sentence. And we didn't stop until I got that one sentence. <laughs> so when I got the one sentence, I'm like, okay, it's time. And they're like, oh, it's time to leave. I'm like, oh, man, I can't do my lesson. So that's why you are a show off. You have your five lessons. I have my writing but I don't have all my lessons. So, you know, what's interesting is a lot of our technicalities about how we approach stuff. It's really a language, right? Because the way you go about getting pre-writing done and getting all of those ideas, I don't call it pre-writing all the time. And I just approach it slightly different, right? Like I'm Mm -hmm. very comfortable um, like, a, like a part of the Abydos, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the part of the Abydos pre-writing strategies to get kids just generating ideas in their journals and whatnot, you know, it's, it's very, uh, they're not prompts per se. It's not name the most memorable time of your life or anything like that, no, but they're, uh-uh. but they're, they're geared kind. They're like, honestly, they're what prompts should be, right? It is, is a, a catalyst for thinking and idea generating. Is that an accurate way to say what those are? Yeah, because you, right. Yeah. And I do a lot of listing. So most of mine ends up listing. I do a lot yeah. of listing. Uh, and I just had the kids, I might give them, you know, list all the, like I said, the, the warm memories that you can think of. Right. But I gave them an example before. I might list that, like the heart map with Nancy Atwell. That's um, they drew a big huge heart. I don't I don't do the I, I don't do the worksheet. Some people have turned that into a worksheet, but uh, they just draw it into their topic area of their notebook, and then I do it on the board with them. And then I say the closest things to your heart, and then I go the closest thing to my heart is my family, my faith. Oh wait, my students, and then they all go ah. At least one class did. Anyway, and then, you know, I do that. And then the stuff outside the heart, this is my addition. And I'm like, if it's outside your heart, those are things you don't like. And so I allow that. And the reason I do is because later on, they're going to have an opinion about something. And this might be a good place to get their opinion papers from. So I try to think about some of the writing they're going to have to do. And I make their list 
I help them generate lists that will get them um, a broad range of topics that will meet a lot of needs for genre-specific writing. Well, and so that, I, you know, I go about um, the these moments of idea generating in similar but different ways. Mm-hmm. I, and it's kind of, this is what I, a lot of this is what I outline and rightfully empowered, but it's the, I, I, the reason I have so many mini lessons is because most of that pre-writing idea generating and stuff comes from the text that we're looking at, which is why I tend to pick a lot of texts that are aggressive. And I say aggressive in the, in the means that they're, you know, they're just, they're, they, they have something to say, right? They're, they're not just kind of your run of the mill, school text all the time. You know, I, I talk about using the every mini lesson I used besides one this last week was based on the quick rights book by Linda reef. So, <laughs> I mean, if people are curious Shout out to Linda, yeah, always, always, always. But, um, those texts are, are kind of what I'm talking about. That book is such a gold mine for, you know, really punchy, small excerpts that can go really far. Um, I also spent time, uh, looking at structure because I wanted to expose them to as much different, as many different structures as they could. Like we did, um, all of us, we did the rambling autobiography, which was one of Linda Reeves. Um, we did my name from Sandra Cisneros with people that have listened to this podcast for a while. We used last year and, and pieces like that to where, um, it's, it's stuff that during that, because we look at it as a reader, right, in these mini lessons, and then we generate ideas uh, from that. And sometimes those really connect to kids and sometimes they don't. And my strategy is, it's like, cool, this might not connect to you today, but I'm going to use a different piece tomorrow and I'm going to get you then. If I don't get you then, I'm going to get you the third day. And then if I strike out three times in a row and I haven't gotten everyone connected to something, then I kind of reevaluate and I just spend time learning who they are. And as the year goes on, uh, my mini lessons get more specific to my students and what I know they're going to resonate with. And so that, that's how my, I kind of go about this idea generating and, um, topic selection and whatnot. It's relatively the same thing. It's just different, um, styles. But what's been interesting is when I, the way, you know, I've started seeing the resistors as well. I saw them in reading first, um, mostly because reading is, uh, my, so my resistors that I have, I can tell that they have been allowed to, uh, coast in reading for a while, right? They've been allowed to kind of be the quote unquote struggling. Oh, he struggles. So he can only stare at a book for five minutes. Right. And then he's going to stare off, pass out, you know, (laughs) like, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I spot those first and, you know, I just kind of make mental notes and I'm very gentle and I'm not punitive in any way. And it's very much just trying to get him, get him to them. But then as the week went on, like you said, it was now there was a little bit more, you know, one or two more cropped up. It became now it was like, oh my God, I hate, I hate this. I don't, you know, I, I don't read, I don't do any of this. And writing came up. Some of them aren't. Some of them who resist in reading don't resist in writing, right? And I found that to be true as well. Yeah, they they lean one way or another, and and students kind of do that in general. But um, the they'll 
they'll like that. And some of them like my writing just a little bit more because I allow music in my class. So they, 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 I, sometimes I can get the full resistor who hates both into the writing just because I do have a little bit more of a free flow so I can capture them a little bit. Um, but it's, it's the, how do we respond to these resistors that I think is, uh, valuable for listeners and because it's going to happen, right? If whether people are new to workshop, they've never tried it or they're a veteran teacher, these, these students crop up and it becomes so much about how you respond, I think is how long they're going to resist. Right. I mean, punitively like going directly at a kid and like forcing them right into any state of compliance with reading and writing. Um, I feel like that's like the number one way to keep them resisting longer. Would you agree? Like that is like the, the mm-hmm. more, in, the more intensely you react, the longer they will resist. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think, I think so. But now I want to go back to your music. You're, you're like acting like you're the only one on the <laughs> campus that listens to music. I got, I got news. I got my Disney rocking. Yeah. I got my Disney rocking my little study music. And we did listen to a pink song. Yeah. I, I just want to let you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that can compete with the hip hop that I hear down the road, but uh, it seems to soothe them. It soothes them. Yeah, Mine's more everyone, the soothing has their, everyone has their style. Oh, nobody's complained yet. I thought maybe they would go, oh, I don't know. but nobody's complained. I just turn on the music and they just don't say a word about it. It was kind of interesting. Well, anyway, um, yeah, on the resistors. Oh, yeah, I've got some. I got bookends. That's what I got. I got one early and I got, I mean, really bad. And I got one really bad in the afternoon. But what's interesting is the one that's really bad in the afternoon I don't know what I did. I honestly I don't know. I think one of the things that I do that helps them is we've been filling out the reading log. Okay. And we have a place where it's a book finished, you know, the date when you finish the book and a date to abandon. And I think right now I'm allowing some of them to get up and go get another book. And I think by allowing them to go get another book, first of all, I kind of I kind of take a mental note of them or really kind of I've written some stuff down as to how long it takes them to sit down and then go on another book. So I'm kind of watching that, but at least they're going to get another book. And then, so then what I'll start doing there is I'll start curtailing them. Okay. You can only get books from this area. (laughs) So, so I have my, my, like my picture books are all at the top. And so they're right now, some of them are, my resistors are wanting to read the picture books. Some of them are wanting to be only the graphic novels. And then all we're doing is just flipping through and acting like they're reading, but they're really not. So I'll sit down beside them and I'll go, uh, so tell me a little bit about that page you just read. And then they go, uh, uh, I said, okay, I'm going to come back around and you're going to tell me about that page in just a minute when I come back around. Right. And so then sometimes that helps with the reading, the writing. I just, I go, like I told you, I either wait for them. They don't know. I just say, write till you say stop. 
But when I walk around and I have a student that's really struggling and I had one, I don't have any ideas. I mean, he had a whole page of ideas. I don't have any ideas. Those aren't good enough to write on. And so to me, that was a true resistor. He was probably my biggest one this year. And um, so I said, well, why don't you write down why you don't have any good ideas on why that particular idea isn't good enough for this piece? And so he was like, you mean, you want me to write that? And I said, yeah, I'll just write that. I mean, that's what you just told me. So write what you're thinking. And he goes, all right, whatever. So then he started writing. I came back around and he started writing about that piece. I mean, that that memory, it kind of came up. But so I think the trick is, and that's what I try to tell him. The trick in writing is to get something down. I don't care what it is. Start writing. You know, uh, most of them will stare at that page. So I'll just come back and, and I'll say, so what are you having trouble with? And they'll say, well, I don't have anything to write. I said, well, what were, what were some things that you listed? Well, I don't have anything to list. I said, well, did you ever have uh, a warm, uh, did you ever, do you do, do you celebrate Christmas? You know, whatever it is, do you celebrate your birthdays? Do you celebrate? Okay. Is there a, a time that you remember that was better than another time? So I kind of coaxed them and then I was like, I list a few of those. So a lot of times that's it, but I'll walk around. I don't, I don't, I'll ride a little bit and then I'll get up and walk around. And then another thing that helps is when I do my little sharing afterwards, sometimes they share the one piece that they like the most. And that seems to be helping a little bit. Now, next week, we're going to be sharing like the big share. What does that mean? That, what does that mean? Is this a That's tease? We Is this a tease? You're like, oh, the it big share. Pause. The big share. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's where I'm going to, everybody has to share. Right now, it's like their choice. Oh, gotcha. So next week, they're going to, all those pieces we've been writing, they're going to pick one and they're going to share it with their group. So I'll put them in groups that they haven't been sitting with. We'll see how it goes. You I'll know, probably I, find a few more resistors. Probably, right? There'll be resistor in there. Um, uh, that you know the the in writing specifically it's it's so interesting because you like the the let's say like the kid that's just not writing right they're like i don't have ideas i didn't connect to the mini lesson your strategy sucked mr chastain i had nothing you gave me is giving me information um but then like so one of my resistors that i had we were just you know, my, one of my go-to strategies is I just sit down and I just start asking questions, right? Not about writing, but I just start asking questions about their life. And I just jot down on my little iPad. Everyone knows I use Notability. It's the best app on the planet. And I just, I write, uh, with my Apple pencil. I don't like typing cause it feels so evaluative and I don't use paper because I'll lose the paper, but I'm always jotting stuff down and I just write, right. And I let them see what I'm writing. Cause I don't ever want them to feel like it's some weird evaluation. I'm just jotting it down, asking questions, asking follow-up questions. And then eventually something will happen um, where we'll really like, we'll hone in on whatever topic that we've jumped on. And I start going into that and then I'll start writing down like longer things. I'll write down like a phrase they said, something like that. And I'm like, well, look at this. This is everything you just said. We just talked for six minutes, five minutes. Because this is everything you said. Look at this sentence right here. Like, I think this is a really great starting sentence. And like, oh, I can write that. And I'm like, yeah. Like, this is start here. Write this down. I see where you go. And you know what? I came back, and that was all he had written in the last 15 minutes. Right. So, <laughs> so that happens. But it's something there. And so what I'll do is I'll make a note, and I'm like, all right. So I'm telling him. I'm like, so I want you to just in the back of your mind. 
It's not homework. It's in the back of your mind. Just think about this. You have this written. You know you're going to write my class tomorrow. You know I'm going to walk up to you tomorrow. So just think about it. Well, what can we add to this? Just let that thought and go, okay. Then you come back. And then they, they're like, you know what? I thought of something else, right? And then this process of being expected to write every day, it starts to train their mind to think about what they want to put down, right? Um, I think that, though, but those are the, I, I feel like those are the obvious resistors. I feel like there's another type of resistor in writing, at least, where you have the kids that don't really like writing, but they don't want, they know if they don't write, you're going to be involved with them. So that what they want to do is just write a whole lot, right? Just kind of ramble on a page about whatever. And they, that, that, that has probably worked in other classrooms because they have writing assignments and they, they have like due dates and like very specific markers that they have to hit or they're like, okay, your writing today is respond to this question, right? And so they've developed this habit and this technique of vomiting tons of words onto a page. But what happens in workshop, specifically the way I have my class going is they write so much for two days and now they're out of this this skill that they've they've spent their skill. So now they sit there and they're like, oh no. It's like, oh my, I don't even know what to write. And so that's, that's, I feel like that's a, that's like a, that's like a hidden resistor because they're trying to do that because that's what they want. And, but I'm, I'm so not interested in kind of like these, uh, you know, I think vomiting out and putting stuff out onto the page is very useful. I think that's a, that's a good strategy. Um, but kids that only do that, I'm trying to break past that and I want them to get to the pebble as Nancy Atwell says, I want them to get to the heart of the matter. I want them to get to something that they actually care about because none of that they care about, right? I mean, there might be a nugget in there, but the majority of what they've written or what they have written is stuff that they, they don't really care about. There's no passion there. There's no heart. There's no pain there. You know, there's nothing in there that is worth saying, so to speak. And my whole goal, the way I feel like we capture these young writers in writing is really guiding them down the process of not only finding those topics, but breaking really into like getting past their, their filters, getting past those walls, right? The, the whole idea of, uh, you know, your students are never going to write honestly until they feel safe and secure in your classroom and know that they can do that. And part of that is showing them that this is what we do. Like you can, you can, you can play the game of school all you want, but eventually the process is going to win because it happens every single day for about 30 to 40 minutes every day. There's no way you can resist longer than that. And that's something that like, I'm being reminded of that after, you know, two years with the same group, I, you know, I, I started taking that part, uh, for like for granted, but the, just the structure of workshop, I think helps soften the, the resistor, so to speak. Would you say that that structure is, 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 is a big part of what it works for it? Oh yeah, I think so. And, um, right now I've had, I've got my kids when they walk in, they have to read, they just start reading, uh, because they need that structure. If I don't do it like that, I feel like they don't settle in. So I haven't always done that. Sometimes I have them right when they walk in. But this group, they seem to be more apt to reading or more willing to pick up a book, 
even if they are like abandoning very quickly, some of them, uh, but they're at least more willing to pick up a book and kind of get quiet for a second. And then what I've been doing with that structure is every day after that, and I think I shared this with you, I added a section in the craft book. And that section is, I decided to call it, I tell the kids, we're going to call it SSRR and that silent sustained reading response. And so they are responding to what they're reading. And then all of a sudden when they realize I'm walking around and I'm like, oh, you haven't responded yet. Let's, let's go ahead and see on here, you know, cause I have it all on my board. So I go back to the board site, my anchor chart. And then, so, so they model from what I've done and then I come back around and they have at least their responses done. So they've been responding and then sharing their responses. They're doing a little quick book talk, um, I think Penny Kittle recommends that, uh, book talks, as well as Donald and Miller. So uh, they do a little book talk, and and they use their response to talk. And then we get busy on the mini lesson. And so they have this certain thing that they know when they walk in, this is what they're doing. And I've noticed that's kind of settled them down, and they just start picking up a book. Even my resistors are at least holding a book. They might not yet be reading the way I want them to, but they're at least holding a book. So... I, I thought maybe I'd get them in that way. It's the, it's really the time thing, right? You know, to go back to, I feel like a lot of people, uh, if you, especially if you have a lot of resistors in a class, um, it can feel very nerve wracking, anxiety inducing, strange to allow for that space for, to let the non-reader, you know, kind of fake read. Right. And it's, it's not the fact that we're not paying attention. All of that in, like I'm using that time, like these first early days and first early weeks to really gather information on the Uh students who aren't reading and writing, because there's a reason, right? It's not, you don't hate reading and writing like out of the womb. (laughs) Every right. like people love stories, and we've talked about the research that shows that you know writing is, is a very natural thing. We want to make our mark. It's school and and other factors that makes students end up hating these things, and we shouldn't approach it with anger and anxiety because it just makes it worse. It's it's using this time to gather information. So, you know, gently sitting down. Taylor Burton, our partner, who uh, we're going to try to get on the podcast at some point. Yeah. She's a um, resistor. To the podcast, she is. To the podcast. Um, now she's she's great, but she uh she she I love how she describes how she gets her students reading over time, and she goes, mm-hmm. I just bug them, like and not like I just sit with them and ask them about their book every day, and just talk and talk and talk, <laughs> and she's like, eventually they find like it's just easier to read. Instead of- <laughs> <laughs> I remember her saying that. That's and great. but. But what she's doing there is she is, you know, she is technically, you know, wearing them down. But what she's doing is building that relationship, right? Because she's right. she's admitting like the – she's making it okay, first of all, to not like reading. She's 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 letting them be honest about not reading. She's, she's letting all of that happen, but she's not letting them stay there, right? And it's, it's not a – it's not coercion. She's not saying if you don't do this, you're going to get a zero. It's not punishment. They're not saying, well, if you don't read now, then you're going to have to read, you know, in detention or whatever. It's, it's a gentle guiding of someone who's reluctant, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. the just follow me. Just come on. And, you know, they're, they, they're still standing there and you're like, no, come on, come on, come look at this. This is pretty cool. And then eventually 
they come, right? And no, mm-hmm. not every student is going to become a voracious reader, but this process of just taking your time, being gentle with it, gathering the information so you know how to, you know, do they hate reading because they can't read, right? Or that they, they yeah. read poorly. Do they hate it because the only thing they've ever read is what a teacher told them to read? And so they're only convinced that all books deal with dead dogs and sad children, right? Are those the only books they've ever been shown? Or, or you know, on another end, maybe teachers did let them read, but they were on, they only picked up, you know, Captain Underpants, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Dork Diaries, because those are the things that were obviously engaging, but their their teacher wasn't able to shift them into uh, more uh, meaningful and detailed books that are equally as enticing. You know, not I'm not insulting Captain Underpants like those. The, the, honestly, like Captain Underpants was like very pivotal in my own reading life as a kid. Um, I, I think those books have a place, um, but there's also stages beyond that, right? And mm-hmm. I had so many students who, like, after I talked to them, you know, they, they wanted to read those. And I was like, hey, why don't you try this? Like, after I talked to them, and it was like a book that, like, Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. And, you know, something that's a little bit more intense. One of my students, I gave her uh, Concrete Rose because she told me, she was like, you know, I love, she's like, I love drama. And she told me, how, like, the TV shows she watches. She was mm-hmm. like, I just don't really like books. You know, there's just never enough drama. And I was like, sweet. Concrete Rose, have you ever seen this book? She goes, no. And I go, okay, so this is what it's about. It's about a drug dealer who gets a girl pregnant, and then he decides not to be a drug dealer anymore. So he wants to leave the gang life and be a father. And he's a teenager. And she goes, oh, I want that. And so, like, she's, like, diving right. into it because she has never been given it by the way that concrete roses from angie thompson sure what the hate you give if anyone's interested it's fantastic um obviously a more mature book for the elementary teachers listening to this but um you know it's it's getting her engaged and she's been into it like it's it's hitting all of those spots and i think that is also the magic of just knowing knowing enough about both reading and writing to be really the next thing that students need, right? It's it's half the reason of conferring is to support them as a reader, support their reading journey, all of that stuff. But it's also to learn who they are so you can offer them the the next book they need. Same thing in writing. If all of if you only could do these strategies, Miss Ochoa, I'll get you could do strategies out the wazoo. You get all of these pages written, but if you can never move them into meaningful writing based on these strategies and based on these lists, then those are going to be ultimately meaningless and your kids are not really going to grow. Volume doesn't always mean It doesn't always lead to meaning, but the only way you can do that and the only way we can do that and the only way listeners of the show can do that is by understanding the process and how to take students deeper and trusting that it's going to take time. Right. And I mean, that's what I get them to do a lot of ideas because usually my resistors for writing is I don't have anything to write about. You know, that started a long time ago. So that's why I give them. At the very beginning, and you're getting new kids, you're getting kids that are leaving, you're getting, you know, everybody's, and so finding these ideas, if I do that for a period of time, and then they write about it, uh, then they have this, this huge, if you will, library of ideas. So, but then, like you said, I'll take my mini lesson starting this next week, and we'll be talking about, I mean, I'll be showing them things in in the books that we're reading where the author is showing 
rather than telling. I think I told you about that. And then so what they'll have to do is they'll look at that in their own reading, and then they'll find a sentence or two in some of their writing, whatever writing they're really wanting to be writing. I don't know which one they're going to choose, but they're going to go back into that writing and they're going to model or imitate uh, what that lesson is. So from there, we'll be doing that. I might, uh, one of the things might say, go back into your writing. You might talk, do a mini lesson on uh, author's message. Okay. Now go back to one of your pieces. What was your message? Underline the area where you think you were hitting your message. If you can't underline anything, what does that tell us about your piece? So now on the left side, opposite of that, I want you to write down what your message is. Now, where can you put that in your writing? draw an arrow to where you're going to put it in your writing. And so I think I kind of go with it a little bit different. They get the ideas, they, they, if you will, vomit on the page, so to speak. And then we go back in and they choose the one they like the most based on the characteristics and their own interest. And then uh, we'll choose one to fine tune. And that's usually how I go about doing it, especially in the first six weeks. And then once they, they've got, I've taken them all the way through the process, then what I like to do is give them more freedom to go with the things that they want to do. That's so funny. I don't think we've ever discussed how we do that. Maybe we have, mm-hmm. but I, 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 I do it the exact same way of, you know, there's some students who, um, you know, they, they're just more strong writers for whatever reason they read more. So they have more control of words and they, they like writing. And so a lot of them don't have that issue, but for students who are struggling, I do, it is, we're going to, Write and write and write, and then eventually that's going to become going back into our writing and going, okay, what do we care about the most? What what has the most potential? What do we like the most? Taking that through all the way to publishing, and then once they've gone through that whole experience, then going, okay, this is how we do it now, right? And then opening it up to be you mm-hmm. now. This is your process, right? There's there's pieces that will take forever to write, and there's pieces that you know honestly can be written faster than that, and. Uh, I've always found it that's this is probably another topic for another podcast, but I found it interesting that, you know, teachers, we uh, sometimes uh, I've, I have talked to educators who feel like, you know, it, it needs to be a piece. Every piece needs to take a long time to get through. Right. There has to be a pre-writing stage and a drafting phase and an editing phase and, and all of this. And I, I've, I always think back to like novelists. Right. There's novelists who will spend 10 years writing something, 15 years, 20 years. If you're, you know, George R. R. Martin or someone who doesn't finish their series, you know, forever. Um, <laughs> Point him out, but, are you? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then there's people like Stephen King who published, you know, he publishes two books a year. He published tons of short stories. There's people that are faster than that. There's an author by the name of Dean Wesley Smith, who's kind of like the, you know, in publishing, I don't know if any, if you're familiar with this or anyone else, but like in the world of publishing, there's like, you, you know, you have your giant authors and then you have like your working authors, right? Like they have to write so much, they write their books, but they also write articles and short stories and they do all of these things and they have to write multiple books a year, sometimes under different pen names, sometimes as ghost writers, just to, you know, make 50 to a hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, and, uh, the, uh, to, to stay afloat. Right. And this author, Dean Wesley Smith, he's, he's written under tons of different pen names 
he talks about how, you know, some of his novels took six months to write and as he got or six weeks to write and as he got better at writing, you know, he revised less and some, but some of his works would take a lot longer to write. And obviously we're not writing novels in our classes. Well, most of us aren't. Um, but that, you know, just, just shrink it down into classroom size, right? In a six weeks, if six weeks is a year <laughs> of writing, um, you know, some pieces might take the full year and even even past that, especially if it's a, a really struggling writer or a kid who struggles with language or has some type of need that they need met that's where they take that long. But some kids might be able to write five things in that time and then really work on one. Some can write two, some can write three. And as the workshop expands, I feel like taking that into account of holding them accountable to, to get to where they need to be. Um, you know, whether that's one piece of six weeks, two pieces, whatever it is that you feel is appropriate for your classroom, holding them accountable to that minimum, but then allowing the flexibility of, you know what, some kids maybe not be able to hit that. And some kids can blow past that, right? We don't want Mm -hmm. whatever, uh, guidelines we put on the workshop. We don't want it to be so restrictive. Um, but we still want that accountability piece because, you know, writers do have deadlines. Real people have deadlines, right? You, (laughs) you eventually have to make progress in something or it, you're just kind of floundering. And I think that's the, that's the interesting part. And maybe, like I said, this is probably a episode for another time, but that the whole balance of, uh, requirement versus flexibility and making sure that you're not crushing creativity, but at the same time, you're prodding it along because things have to get Uh done. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that that really is the trick, I think. Especially with the resistors, right? Yeah, because you are under a gun as a teacher because you have a deadline. The deadline is those kids, you have to have your grades in, right? And then you're sitting there, and if they're not doing their work, you got to show some success. And if you have nothing but zeros, you're in trouble. You know, I mean, because that brings attention that you don't want to yourself as a teacher. You're sitting there, there's no grades in the grade book. So yeah, I think, I think that pressure is what causes teachers sometimes to just forego the process and just do fill out this worksheet. Okay. You've got your three answers. Okay. Now let's move on. And I think sometimes that, that spurs that on is the pressure of getting those deadlines completed. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think that is it for this episode of Craft the Draft. Hopefully this conversation about resistors makes you feel like you are not alone in the struggles of getting everyone moving in the right direction. We are both tired from our first week, but I, I, you know, (laughs) excited and everything. Glad that everyone is listening. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes of the Craft and Draft podcast. Hit that star button. It really does help. More and more of you are listening, which means more and more of you are sharing which is absolutely amazing. We're so happy to see the growth of the podcast over time. It's really cool to see uh, something so niche as just two English teachers talking about workshop growing at such a healthy rate. So we do uh, thank you guys for listening and supporting the podcast. If you want your question, comment, concern read on the show, there's a million ways you can submit these things. I try to get them as any way I can. You can send it to us on our craft and draft Facebook page. You can send it to the website at craft and workshop.com where it says submit a question, or you can send it to any of my social media feeds out there. And, uh, I try to capture it all. So whether or not you want to be on the show or you enjoyed this, thank you for listening. 
Come back next Friday for another fantastic episode. That's Pamela Cho. I'm Jacob Chastain. And know that we are here for you.